Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. We have guests. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I always knew that I wanted to obviously do Hinterland as uh, a brewery because we both have worked here, obviously. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the um, followers that we have, the very limited followers that we currently have, <laughs> know that. Um, but it just so happens that it lines up on June, which I'm pretty sure is the month that you guys always do your anniversary party, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we have mainly have. because of weather, but not be yeah. kind of in, because of any significant date or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, there was there was some fun anniversary parties. We remember working. Oh them. yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I was ever outside with the fun anniversary <laughs> stuff. I was just inside, just slinging, just yeah, slinging food, yeah. Slinging yeah. beers, like looking yeah. outside. We need to bring the anniversary fun? party back. But yeah, was, the last one we had downtown, I think, was the most fun one. Yeah, that was really that great. one and spilled in over to cranky, cranky pats at about three a.m. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. I ordered, I ordered 17 extra large pizzas. <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> All mushroom. <laughs> they weren't. Well, the, they weren't. the manager's <laughs> special. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Was that uh, 20th anniversary? Or? Yeah. Okay. I think so. so. Yeah, I so think that like was a, the last one we did downtown. I thought a lot more people were coming to Cranky Pass, but it turned out there was only like 10 of us. <laughs> so Everybody we just take a pizza. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we thought we'd just chat, ask some questions, but just kind of hang out. I worked here for four, almost five years. So the same, same for you? Me, yeah, yeah. About four and a half years, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we got to get to know our owners very well, so, which is really nice. I feel like that doesn't happen too often. It was nice um, for us, too. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we miss you guys. Um, I know. I feel like the past two weeks I've basically lived here because everybody that... All my friends work here still, and they're like, oh, let's just go to Hinterland. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say no. no. They have Nitro IPA on tap. Perfect. Which also McGeorge's does, and that's right by my house. Yeah. And I did not know that until like two weeks ago. That's so Hinterland East. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think it's, I think it's all because of Mike Connor, too. Like, he's an ex-Hinterland employee as well. I don't know if you knew that. Do you oh, know no. Mike? Yeah. Mike was our controller for a while. Okay. Yeah. But he goes there every single day because his office is across the street, right? So he oh, yeah. naturally goes there for, for dinner or for lunch or whatever. And Nitro IPA. Got to have the favorite mm. beer on tap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's your hangout. Um, I guess starting off with the questions, I sent you some of them. Um, this one's kind of like a broad one, but we'll start from the beginning. And it's how did it all begin? Um, and what made you guys want to start a brewery? Well, <clears throat> It's a long and winding tale, but um, if we got time, we can go all the way back, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> it all started because uh, we were in college. Michelle um, and I went to this uh, store in Green Bay called Life Tools. It was like the coolest store that. It's actually where the heel is located now. Oh, okay. But back then it was back downtown. Back then it was downtown. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. on Main Street, yeah. But they just sold like backpack backpacking equipment and like. Outdoor gear, right? Survival gear. Yeah. And uh, we happened to go to the store one day because we were looking to buy some backpacks. And uh, they had this uh, homebrew kit. I I never, like, knew that you could make beer at home or whatever. And and, um, I was like, wow, that's really cool, you know? So I was kind of checking it all out, whatever. Fast forward a few months, uh, Christmas comes around. Michelle buys me a a homebrew kit for Christmas. And uh, I was totally enthralled with it and um so we're still in college at this time i don't know i'm sure we were legal no probably not i think it was just a workaround (laughs) yeah so i was just looking for some some legal beer i got back to college and and uh started uh brewing beer in the house that i was renting and and, um you know like i'm sure it was terrible but um we kept trying to drink it and and every batch that we do we get a little bit better and and um my roommates you know, got a kick out of it, so I just kept making beer, right? Uh, well, <clears throat> so right out, of, right after we graduated college, we went out to San Francisco. I had a, a band that I was playing in, and um, everybody had moved out uh, before me, and we re- recorded a record over the, the my final year in college. But the band was now living and working in San Francisco, and and so uh, Michelle and I would travel back and forth. So we moved, we moved there. Um, I got a job with the San Francisco Chronicle uh, as, you know, working on, on their um, uh, news desk. And, um, and basically, 
you know, kept homebrewing, kept, kept like, you know, just kind of got a little more in depth with it, doing all grain mashes and all kinds of I had equipment going all through our apartment and everything. And, and uh, then one day the paper went on strike and I was like, oh my God, you know, I, I don't want to go on strike. I need to work. And, and um, I had taken this weird uh, press release from, from this guy named Bill Owens, uh, or this guy Bill Owens, who was uh, uh, like a uh, celebrated photographer, and, and uh, uh, but he owned two beer magazines. But he also owned uh, Buffalo Bills Brewery um, and um, one other, like oh. Berkeley Brewing Company or something like that. I can't remember all of them. But he had started, he was like a pioneer in the industry, right, in the craft brewing industry. So he started the first, or he started the second brew pub in California. Him and a guy named Jack McAuliffe actually f- changed the legislation in, in California to allow for brew pubs to exist, right? And breweries, small, yeah, like under a certain volume, right? And um, so I was kind of intrigued by the guy, um, and he sent this press release across inviting somebody from the San Francisco Chronicle to come and, uh, like, go to this, this beer tasting um, in Berkeley, and they had teamed up with uh, this guy named Bruce Adele, who was uh, a sausage maker. Um, nowadays, like you probably find Adele sausage in like all the Costco's around the around the country, right? But this was this guy was just starting out, which was kind of crazy, right? Uh, going back and looking at it anyway. Uh, <clears throat> so I met Bill. Um, the 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 party or the tasting was at the editor of the magazine's house. Um, and during the party, Bill offered me the job as the editor of the magazine. <laughs> so, like, I was, I was really confused. I didn't know what the hell was going on. But I knew I was out of work, so I accepted. And, and I just, uh, all of a sudden, I found myself editing a beer magazine. And, uh, you know, I, I, I put out one of the magazines. And, um, you know, like, just kind of going through all the stories. They had all been pre-assigned already and, you know, like, trying to understand what was going on. Um, I realized that I didn't really know that much about about brewing, like professional brewing, anyway. So I uh, I uh, went and uh, enrolled in some classes up at UC Davis, and that just kind of snowballed. And so then I en- enrolled in a whole program at UC Davis, and then um, the 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 Dr. Michael Lewis, who ran the brewing and science uh, program at, at, at UC Davis, started another school called the American Brewers Guild. So I enrolled in that, and I just kind of you know, went, went through this whole process, right? Well, eventually, we kind of knew that we wanted to get, leave California, and either, like, we were talking about moving to Montana or moving to, to um, Truckee, California, or, or somewhere, you know, to start a brewery. We kind of had talked talked a little bit about it. This was in 1993. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, through that process, you know, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do exactly, a lot of people don't know this, but um, uh, I got a call from the guys that were starting Titletown Brewing Company, right? And uh, they said, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to put together a brewery in Green Bay. Would you be willing to be part of our team and be the brewer and, and um, uh, just help us get this thing off the ground and, you know, whatever. So it sounded good. So I flew home, did a bunch of meetings with the city, all kinds of stuff, helped them get uh, some investment team together and... And then when it actually got down to, to um, like, actually forming the company and who was going to own what and this and that, we kind of had a disagreement on who would own um, what shares of the company, who would get sweat equity, that kind of stuff. And, and um, I decided just uh, at that time that it was probably better for me to, to and, and Michelle to, like, start our own brewery than it would be to be, you know, just a piece of, uh, of that one. So... Um, there were actually three separate groups that initially were all aligned together, yeah. kind of doing the original um, research in the area. And then it, it wound up that all three of us opened uh, breweries, dif- yeah. different breweries. Yeah, so, um, so and so we were fairly friendly. It wasn't combative. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't anything no, strange. No, it was no. just that we felt like we all had a different angle we wanted to focus on and agreed to just each open our own. Yeah. So, so what came out of that initial group was uh, – you know, uh, Tuttletown Brewing Company, uh, Green Bay Brewing Company, which is Hinterland, and then uh, Egan Brewing Company. And Egan Brewing Company closed, um, I don't know how many years ago. It was, it was a while ago, though, but they, uh, their founder passed away. And so um, 
the family kind of just closed it, and, and um, you know, it was it, it was part of Hanson's Pizza and stuff. It was kind of confusing anyway, but, but uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, but we actually ended up opening about a year before uh, Tettletown Brewing Company opened. We um, went out to uh, some family friends. Uh, the, the owners of uh, Belgioso Cheese were kind enough to uh, lease us a uh, one of their uh, dormant cheese factories, and and that's where we started out in uh, Lang's Corners and kind of close to Denmark. So that's kind of a long and winding story. <laughs> I, I, I think I answered your question. Yeah, though. No, yes. Yeah. I get uh, the working with other people. It's a, you have to put a lot of trust in other people, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just it's easier to be with who you. Not saying that people are like bad or anything but it's better to be with people you know you can count on and trust and it's hard to work with friends like it is and when yeah when everybody has a little different vision and um you know you've got capital investments people want to invest dollars different ways it's very hard to um come together and i think that all three groups that eventually were three distinct groups had already been in the works um, were connected with one another because they'd already started research on opening a brewery so all of us kind of wanted to do it and um, we had some people that connected us together and said I've got someone who's also interested in opening a brewery maybe you should all come together so the fact that we ended up in three different uh, uh, organizations wasn't that odd we kind of started that way but we just decided that had Titletown really wanted to do a food service operation um, focus very much on that that um, on-premise less with manufacturing distribution ironically we've all morphed into very different things now (laughs) but we really wanted to be um bill wanted to be a packaging brewery um with without an emphasis on on on-premise and um, food service so you know we all kind of had different ideas and um uh, i think it worked out really well because i think that uh egan brewing company did stay in business actually for for quite a few years um and i think you know all three of us were really the pioneers of um local brew scene which is now up to I don't know how many breweries does anyone know in the Green Bay area yeah should I look it up Uh, I can look it up when you ask the question Um, I think it's around eight 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 or nine sounds about right okay Yeah. Uh, Hinterland, Badger State, Titletown, Stalemank, Noble Roots (laughs) lots more more, actually Mm -hmm. they're more than that so while Felicia looks that up uh, what is the favorite your favorite beer that you've ever made Ooh. <laughs> I know they spent a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny because I, I guess I have I have uh, different ideas about different beers that we've made over the years. Um, I think there was there was one year um, that I uh, that I made Maple Bach that that um, like it just seemed like everything came together perfectly. Mm-hmm. We actually like that year we entered it in the world beer championships or something like that but it, it took like the top spot in that wow. um so it was like named world champion bach beer <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't even know if that's a thing but but uh it was you know in in the early days of brewing it was it, it felt good to win win some kind of award for it um so i probably you know like that was that was really um a cool one for for us in early on because it was you know it was unusual then um but today it's not even th- that relevant i guess there's still a lot of people that love the, that beer but uh, and and i do too but um if i if i had to say like what my favorite beer that we make today is um yeah there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges with that but grand crew 22 always Ooh, yeah. like sticks in my head as, as one that um is sort of a real stand-up beer and it's it's not like anything really mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's hard to hard to compare it against a lot of stuff because it's you know, it's soured. It's it, it's well. It's got part sour beer. It's got part barrel aged um, um, strong ale. It's got you know fruit. It, it, it's just there's a lot of depth to it, and, and it, I, I really enjoy it when, when when we make it. That's a good one. And on the opposite side of that question, what's your least favorite beer you've ever made, or just one that didn't live up to expectations, one you had high hopes for that just didn't quite meet I the can, mark? I can answer that one for me. Um, a beer that we made a lot of years ago. We no longer make it, but it is sort of um, the ancestor to some of our current beers. But it's one that we got a lot of attention for, a lot of people loved. 
um, showed up on a lot of draft lines early on for us and kind of haunted me because I just never liked it. But it was honey wheat. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> so I just, um, we got a lot of really big buzz way back and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I just don't get it. But, you know, our, our I believe, um, I'm not even sure who you and Joe collaborated, designed the beer. It was sort of filling a niche. Um, and a lot of people who weren't big beer drinkers liked it. The trick was, it was kind of like our entry. We didn't make Packerland Pilsner um, right away. We weren't making really, we were making mostly ales. Um, and so we, we didn't really have a beginner beer. And people would say, what's your latest beer? We're like, well, probably our, our entry-level beer would be Honey Wheat, which was ironic because it was like, Nine percent or eight percent alcohol. It was really, it was really high alcohol. It was kind of one of those things, and was, it had a lot of flavor. It was very sweet, and it was heavy. Yeah, when I was when we when we, I, it was actually, I think we brewed it before Joe came on. But like it was, um, it was a, you know, you know there was there was that Liney's Honey Vice. There was yeah. you know a couple other like styles of of those beers this back was, then, but they were all really low ABV and yeah. like really crushable. no flavor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was, I kind of wanted to turn it on its head. So like I just used a shit ton of honey and it was, you know, know, honey's very, it's like 98% fermentable, right? Like, so you took a a really light beer and added uh, an extreme (laughs) amount of honey to it. And so the ABV went up to like seven, seven percent, right? Anyway, it got a lot of people in trouble because they asked, (laughs) I don't like dark beer. That was what they say at the festivals or the bars. I don't like dark beer. So what's your like easiest drinking beer? And we'd be like, well, um, probably honey wheat. And then the beer was like, loaded. Honestly, so yeah, it was was, not my favorite. It was the hardest beer to promote too, because like, you know, you go, you go do these tap takeovers or whatever. They weren't even called that then, but like you would, you would go to promote, you know, do a promotional event or something like that. And you'd have to drink honeyweed all night long because it's all they had on tap. And you were hammer drunk by the time it was over, yeah. you know. And and there was no Ubers, there was no <laughs> nothing. So like, you'd be like calling home, hey, can somebody pick me up? You know, like, this is not working. Yeah, definitely. But it had a quality not to my it. Favorite beer. I don't know if you if you use a lot of honey or if you ha- if you you know consumed a lot of honey beers, like you know that it, in excess it can kind of create this like sort of cloying mouthfeel mm-hmm. to it, and. Uh, yeah, so didn't work for me. Incidentally, cherry wheat is the same base beer uh, as as honey wheat. It's just you know we use a certain amount of cherries versus a certain amount of honey. So there's no honey wheat, honey and cherry wheat, but uh, but the same recipe essentially. Did it um, did it taste kind of like mead? No, no, it didn't. Okay, no, it just tasted like uh, it tasted like a blonde ale or something, you know. But it was. But it was just exceptionally <laughs> alcoholic. Yeah, you know? so it was like kind of a mess. <laughs> um, going on to very quickly before we go to the next the next question that's actually on the list, I just thought of another one. Is when you opened your brewery, were you guys like one of the first? Like, was there any besides bars? Was there anyone else in Green Bay? No, there was nobody else in Green Bay. Well, and we weren't. We weren't. We were a production brewery without an on premise. Oh, okay. Yes. And that presented a lot of challenges because, um, like, the city of Green Bay actually um, had, you know, the the city planners had basically kind of written, I don't don't, don't know how you say it, but they they took that type of business off the books when when Rob Rowing closed, right? So they, um, you could have, you could have a, a, a brew pub, right? Like, they were kind of thoughtful enough to, to figure out how to, how to, do a brew pub license. Uh, essentially, it was it was considered a bar or restaurant. You know what I mean. So it was very like similar to that. But when we uh, when we were moving into Green Bay from Denmark, uh, we had tried to establish uh, or put the brewery in, in a lot of different places, um, and the city just kept saying, "Sorry, there's no zoning to, that will allow for a brewery there." And uh, we're, you know, finally, was, we we're just like, "Well, what the hell? Where can we put our brewery?" And, and back then, Mayor Jaden was really bullish on, on uh, developing Broadway, or the Broadway district. And he took out a map, and he drew a circle around the, that block and said, well, you can put a brewery there. And I'm like, well, there's no, there's no buildings for sale. How the hell are we going to move there? And uh, he said, well, there will be tomorrow. You know? And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> so that's how we ended up in that building. Like, he went and negotiated with the Spence Corporation to, to uh, move out to the I-43 Industrial Park 
so that we could buy their building and and uh, and start our brewery there. Wow. Why uh, were they so wild about letting you? I don't know. It was some weird. It was some they weird... were really trying to redevelop Broadway. So at yeah. that oh, point, okay. um, Broadway was just kind of considered, um, you know, a little bit of a, some abandoned storefronts. It wasn't a, a very developed um, area. And, you know, there was a, obviously a trend. This was about, what, about 1998. Um, and there was a big trend to redevelop downtown districts. So it became that, you know, yeah. kind of a TIF district. Uh, so we started in 95. In 96, Titletown... Um, 96 or 97, Titletown opened um, in the train depot. And so we were moving back into town. And we actually bought a piece of land out on Packerland, and we were going to build a brewery there, and uh, they wouldn't let us. And so they they wanted us kind of all in that same area, so they shuffled us down across the street from Titletown. <laughs> it worked fine, honestly. Like yeah, it, for it many years. Yeah. We can go Oh, sure. Okay. okay. So, sorry. <laughs> Next question. What is your favorite part about owning a brewery? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Actually, that very, very cool people have worked with us for years. Oh, that's very for nice sure. Of you. I mean, we get to um, people that are attracted to, you know, breweries and craft beer. And, you know, they're, they're, they're usually a, a pretty cool bunch of people. So that is definitely fun um we were pretty young when we started this whole thing so um it's kind of funny i mean we have people working with us now that worked with us you know 20 years ago downtown it was crazy and so um you know i think it's the people i mean beyond that i don't know you don't like it so much (laughs) (laughs) no it's a tough business Um, It's, it's a tough business yeah, it's it, for for me. It's like you know, it's I'm passionate about it. Obviously, I, I, but the um, it is the people. Like the the business is the people. Um, you know, you can have all the tanks in the world and all the you know like cool facilities and, and all that kind of stuff. But if it if you know the magic happens with the people for sure. Um, and we've been like so uh, lucky to have. So so many great people that have worked with us over the years um, and so that part of it is is very rewarding coming into to work every day with with a great team um, but I also think that you know it's it's also the idea that you can come in to work and and create complete change create something new create anything that you desire you know what I mean um, that that part of it kind of gets me up in the morning and, and I'm always excited to come down here I would be lying if I didn't tell you that that for me, like working in the brewery and you know working on on all the, the packaging machines and and um, and just seeing everything function really well, um, like is for some reason it, it excites me. I don't know, I don't know why, but it's like that's the part of it that really makes me happy. So i like the idea of uh, of the whole thing and you know even after 27 years it it, it's still like i don't know for some reason i can't see myself ever doing anything else that's really cool that means you're doing the right thing (laughs) um next is uh what do you think if you believe in this what do you think was like the secret to your success or like is there a secret holy shit um (laughs) we we just got up every day to live another day I mean I don't know that there was any one pivot point I don't think there was even a grand overarching um, anything we just uh, survived um, it, it, just yeah. outlasted you know and and just when things were you know disastrous and we didn't know how we'd get it to the next month we just somehow you know made it and then so I think just the longevity of um and resilience of just staying alive for 27 years is really it. Um, it's more of the art of not closing versus the art of anything else and just living it out. And then um, you learn and you learn and you learn. And eventually, you know, you make consistently better decisions more often. Uh, and a higher percentage of the, you know, decisions you make are better. And pretty soon... Um, you know, you hit a critical mass, but I will say that like you, you know, 
restaurant business, the brewing business, they're not high margin, high profit margin businesses. They're very low profit margin businesses. Um, and so, you know, from a year to year, you could have a very good year financially and the next year, not so good. Um, so I think that always trying to deliver really, really good quality food service, beer, all of it allowed us to, um, just gain, uh, loyal fans in town and, um, you know, it wasn't even financial success, really. It was just that um, people noticed that they could always rely on us to have good food, good service, good beer. And um, when the day came that the Green Bay Packers said, hey, would you guys like to anchor our district? Um, we think you're the epitome of a, of a local, locally owned, founded business um, that strives for excellence. We were like, awesome. You know, we just kind of survived all of those years um, on thin margins and continued to focus on success. And then it, it brought us more opportunities, but I, I wouldn't say, um, I think some people are overnight success stories and not really overnight, but just they have a moment where they went from not being successful to being successful. I can't pinpoint any one moment. Do yeah. you really? I think that, um, everything that you're saying is true for sure. Um, but I do think that there's, um, you know, a willingness to, to, to listen to what people are telling you, take the feedback constructively, um, let the business evolve. Um, a lot of people are, are, you know, when they get into business, have a lot of ideas about, like, you know, their plan is exactly right, you know. Um, I don't think we ever f- felt that. We, we just, you know, we did what we had to to survive type of thing. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the big question in, in that has always been, like, if you can make it just a little bit better every single day, um, that's that's the goal, uh, and and I think we've always tried to do that. Um, but there's been a lot of people that have that have you know uh, put a hand out to, to pull us up over over the years and, and help us in in um, you know like whether just grow professionally or or, or, or um, you know just. Um, trust our, our, our intuition on, on, on things, you know, so it, it, I, you know, I, I still don't I don't think we view ourselves as, as highly successful in, in, in a lot of ways, we're still trying to perfect the, you know, the, the, the model and the business plan and, and still trying to achieve, you know, certain levels of success uh, <clears throat> there are definitely breweries though, like that, uh, you know, I look at it along the way and I, and I think how in the hell, like you know, somebody that starts one year, they do two thousand barrels, and the next, they're at like thirty thousand. You know, and you think, wow, it's just amazing, like how that how that happened. We've never been one of those breweries. You know what I mean? We've we've always been, you know, just true grit type of thing, and 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 uh, you know, just persevere. I also think that we've uh, sort of. I don't know. I, I, I definitely grew up with the sort of the uh, the idea that you can uh, outwork anybody type of attitude. Uh, I think my parents really instilled that into me. So I was I was really, especially in the early years, I was like super bullish on that. You know what I mean? Like if if it isn't working, work harder. You know what I mean? So maybe that's it. Absolutely. So uh, what made you settle on the name Hinterland for the brewery and also your motto, Choose Adventure? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, possibly the worst name for a brewery ever. Uh, No, it's great. (laughs) Now we say it's great. Like the the first time I walked into a bar and I tried to order a Hinterland, you know, it didn't didn't sound as good as ordering a a Bud or a Miller. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't have that kind of, that kind of grittiness to it um but you know we we owned it and um and and we made it mean something i think um and uh it you know it was michelle and i get so sick of telling the story but like basically it was (laughs) (laughs) we were reading a book when we were moving back from san francisco to to green bay and and, working on our business plan yeah and there was this uh it was a book about german immigrants to wisconsin and and the author just kept referring to uh, everywhere north of Milwaukee as, as the hinterland of Wisconsin, you know. Uh, to be honest with you, I'd never had heard that word before I read that book. But the uh, uh, it just kind of sounded 
relatively exotic. I don't know. <laughs> uh, or the opposite. Or the opposite. Yeah. I don't, but <clears throat> anyway, um, I think it was really we we had to fill out some paperwork and register our brands and all this kind of stuff, and and we just we we're we're not terribly creative in that department when it comes to naming things. So. Um, I don't know, one of us mentioned that word, and that was, we're like, yeah, that'll work. Just write it down. You know, like, so we made it work. For some reason, it was important to us to incorporate as a Green Bay Brewing Company, though, um, to well, sort of own that Green Bay Brewery as the first. Um, but we didn't want to brand it that way. So it was kind of an interesting, it's confusing to people because... That was common then, though. Yeah, also, it was kind of a DBA, doing business as. So, you know, now we really do focus on Hinterland more, um, you know, most people know us as Hinterland, and they do get confused if they find out that we're actually Green Bay Brewing Company Incorporated and, and <laughs> Hinterland is a brand. But that's, that's it. The Choose Adventure part was really, you know, that came later. Um, but I think that, that sort of um, encapsulated our, our uh, wanderlust and our, our, you know, just interest in, in you know, like traveling and being outside and you know doing uh, different types of uh, outdoor activities and um, yeah it's, I, you know it just seemed like a something that that you know even a lot of our employees are you know into mountain biking or into you know this and that so it just kind of explained us a little bit I think so are either of you German I am yeah. yes. okay I am too. My mom is 100% German, oh, really? or so she says. <laughs> I still want to do the ancestry. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, do you guys have a favorite beer that isn't Hinterland? Oh, yeah, I do. I'd be interested to hear what Michelle says. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, mine is for sure Rodenbach. Anything brewed by Rodenbach. Um, I, yeah, those beers are just amazing to me you know what i mean and and um you know along the along the way obviously there's been a lot of different beers that that um that i used to love like green king abadale was one that we kind of we made pub draft in in sort of its Mm -hmm. image um remember saint stan's dark yeah saint stan's that was a good um, one back out of california and that was that was a beer that we used to drink a lot of um McTarnahan's in, in uh, out of Portland, Oregon was was a beer that we used to drink a lot when we were younger. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure I met a beer I didn't like, but the there's um, you know there's definitely been influential beers along the way. So, is there any beer that you like can't stand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to mention. Okay. okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We can skip that. Yeah. <laughs> Would you have any advice for somebody looking to open their own brewery? Oh, God. I get that question so many times. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, I'm a little bit pessimistic about it just knowing what, what we've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to, to rain on a lot of people's parades because there's a lot of people, like, these days, you know, there's there's tons of, of really small breweries that open up and people are doing a really cool job, you know, like, the guys over at Noble Roots and stuff like that have, have, I mean, I'm not sure what the business plan is, but they they have found success in, in what they're doing, and and they make some good beers. Um, <clears throat> so it's hard. I think you have to really look at what the model is. You know, the one thing I would tell people is that um, the brew pub model is is uh, is probably the most viable. The packaging brewery model is very difficult. Um, and then the world of distribution is really difficult. Um, the problem with that is, like, you know, if, if, if brewing's in your blood and it's it's what you're, it's what you really want to do, um, and you really want to be a packaging brewer, uh, there's almost like some people you just can't you, you just can't talk them out of it, you know. Um, and um, so in that case, I would just say, find as much money as humanly possible, and and. Uh, <laughs> Be prepared to light it all on fire. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? And it really, I had some kids from St. Norbert come in one time, and they, uh, they, were, they were absolutely certain they created the, the best beer that was ever brewed in their, uh, in their kitchen or whatever. You know? And they, they told me that they, they planned on starting a brewery, and they, they 
asked me for advice and they told me their model and I'm like, oh, guys, you know, like, I just, you know, how much money do you have? Like, you know, and it, and it wasn't much. And I'm like, listen, like, do yourself a favor, like, go invest it somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's going to be a tough road. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, like, there's there's a lot of different models. The nice thing about the brew pub thing is is that you have a lot of cash, you know, uh, from from restaurant sales and and it's it's bar it, sales, really, yeah, and bar sales and mm-hmm. and, and uh, but it, you know they the the model of having food and having beer like seems to work better than to me than the than the tap room model where you're always trying to lure a food truck in or something like that. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that have done different models very successfully and and um i guess i'm maybe it's just i'm more familiar with with the, this model than, than than anything but i think that um you know just just do your do your homework know what you're getting into because it, it it's uh it can be a really long path um and um for a lot of people that aren't as um financially prepared for it um it can be a big shocker how much money you can go through you know that's fair mm-hmm. yeah. was there um any advice that you were given that you really appreciate getting and then was there anything that people told you that you were like oh that's bullshit hmm. <laughs> um oh boy can you think of anything i you know in the early days there that was probably the biggest problem is that there just wasn't anybody to give you any any advice you know and the community wasn't as strong back then, so um, you know, so it was kind of hard to to even reach out to other brewers because there just weren't that many of them. Um, you know, the guys at, at like um, at Lakefront, Rusk Glish, and and um, you know some of the other like uh, breweries that were were before us um, were definitely super friendly and and willing to uh, help us if they if, if they could, but. You know, in the early days, there, there, like even just buying equipment, there wasn't there there wasn't an industry that was was there to, to buy equipment from. You know, like most people had to like find a, a brewery that went out of business and somehow modify this you know sixty valve filler to you know to to work for just like almost no no volume. So people would like take out every other valve in a filler, and you know, it, I mean, this was, it was just crazy. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but there's there wasn't a lot of great advice flying around back then, and I'm you know like today there's obviously uh, more consultants and things like that that you can hire, and um, but I think that you know like in that in that regard, like it was more about like just reading as much as you could about business or reading about you know you know the hospitality world or reading about. Um, uh, and, and, and traveling to go see what other people were doing, um, but I don't. I don't. I think back when we started, um, craft brewing was obviously pretty new, and it was really regional. So part of the idea of moving from California to Wisconsin is that um, we were going to bring an idea here that was new here, that was a little you know into further development already on the West Coast, um, and. You know, people were used to domestic lagers, and that's it. So um, we were always considered a dark beer. We were, you know, that I don't like those dark beers, you know. Yeah, it didn't fun. matter what color the beer actually was. It was a dark beer. And um, But as far as knowing what our objective was early on, all we knew is that we wanted to make flavorful, high-quality beer. So it was quality, 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 and we really focused on that a lot. Much, much less than... Um, any sort of sales and marketing along the way. We really kind of believed this, you know, if you just brew a really great, high-quality, full-flavor beer, people are going to love it. And for the most part, they did. But because it was an acquired taste, um, the selling channels weren't ready for it. So we kind of became a cult following, like, well, if you can get your hands on some of that, it's phenomenal. But, you know, it's not really available at every grocery store, that kind of thing. Nowadays, it's really a different business. If you're going to start a craft brewery in 2022, you're gonna, your assumption is that you aren't, you aren't evangelizing for flavor. That's here. I mean, people are already accustomed to extremely um, unusual and sophisticated uh, flavor palettes and flavor profiles. So um, nowadays, 
simply setting out to make and recreate kind of traditional styles in like really full flavor, high quality manner is, is just not enough um, because every city has 10 breweries. So why would you be in Asheville, North Carolina and buy a Green Bay beer? Because the 10 guys in Asheville are brewing, you know, at least nine of them are brewing really good beers. Maybe one isn't, but you know, <laughs> um, generally speaking, high quality, full flavor and interesting is just almost not enough anymore. Um, yeah, you really so have to I get... think, yeah, I think what, what, what I would say is that, um, know what you're dealing with on the sales end of it. Um, the wholesale distribution world is a machine of its own. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it is not really about the best quality liquid in the can or bottle. It's just not. So that would be my advice now is just be aware that Brewing high quality, full flavor, great beer is an absolute given. It is not. It's not like your point of difference. It's a. It's 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 expected. It, expected. What's what's going to determine whether or not you're successful is if you can create um, the push demand through your wholesalers or the pull demand through your consumers in completely different ways. So it's a little bit cynical. It's a little bit disappointing. In some ways, it's not. It just, it, it's actually not. It, it's more optimistic in the fact that there are thousands and thousands of really great craft brewers. None of us is phenomenally better than the next guy. And I think in 1995 when we started, we could really just say, we're just going to be really high quality and that's going to be enough. And it'd be a novelty. Well, it's not a novelty anymore. So that would be my advice is that know um, what you're doing beyond the beer you're creating. Um, and even, you know, trend following trends. And um, I don't even know that that's enough. I mean, you look at the, uh, like the, the range of brewers. Um, you have to set out with such a niche like uh, you know, Drecker or somebody like that. You know what I mean? I'm not sure they ever even brew the same beer twice. It, it's, it's, it's that kind of crazy of a market um, but that's that's why those you know there's a, a market for them people follow that because they love the, the idea of, of something always new and something all, like some big crazy flavor you know if you said today well we're gonna be a brewery that just only brews uh lager beer you know like i think it would be a mistake you know what i mean you have to you have to really find a hole in the market something that's not being offered something that's that's um you know, just completely different from what the the brewery down the street is making, and <clears throat> that's tough to do. You know? Or, or you distinguish yourself in other ways. Yeah, um, and that's that's um, you know, it's very much about the beer um, for us. But I think in the last few years, what we've also realized it's about being kind of good citizens and good employers and good stewards and good to the environment and bringing in um, our values sort of beyond what's in the bottle because um, all of us as consumers have choices on how to spend our money and I think a lot of us have realized lately that if we care about something um, you know we need to probably pay attention um, and support other people who also care so that's something that I think um, as you move forward um, you know the crop brewing industry has seen a little bit of a shake up with some claims of sexual harassment and some claims, claims of just um, uh, you know, uh, racism in their industry, and uh, I think, you know, I think that the industry is mature enough now to say we've got a lot of really good beers, and just because you have a good, phenomenally uh, formulated, high quality beer, if you've got some, you know, shitty practices, it's probably not enough to get past it. So you kind of have to be um, a total package. I think that's new. I don't think the 25 years, 27 years ago when we started, those kinds of things are front of mind, but they are now. So there's room for, you know, a lot of us small breweries um, because we do kind of appeal to different people. So I think that's that's something that I would say, too, is, is different about the industry now. And maybe advice I'd give is to don't just pay attention to the one thing. I would really kind of develop your... Um, your you know, culture, really. Your culture, your... You know who you want to be, the values you you have, um, and you know, I think for us, we have a really cool atmosphere here. So people will come to our our you know facility and enjoy a dinner and a great beer. Um, uh, but all the things have to be in place for for people to create brand loyalty, not just one anymore. So 
It's very true. All right. And I think that's the last question we have. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share from when you first started? Oh, or? boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure you time. have lots. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were really young. I mean, we were, you know. Yeah, we were 24 when we started the brewery. Well, I was I 24. I was you were 23. 23 yeah. yeah. Um, so there's, um, yeah, lifetime worth, worth of stories for we sure. We had a fire. Yeah. I, like, no. was nine months pregnant bottling and like basically collapsed at work. Oh my god. Sick with my the birth of my first son. Like we had just drama. Of course we we never, you know, never had any money. It was it was always cobbling together anything possible. Uh lots of lessons learned along the road. Yeah. Um we had uh one story that was that was always I, I always chuckle about sometimes when I when, when I think about it now, but the uh, we had just like uh, signed on a distributor in, in, in Chicago, and um, uh, it was it was kind of a startup type of a distributor, but um, they had some good backing behind them and whatnot. But um, they had made this order, and it was like you know it was like a pretty big order for us back then, and, and um, I, I had I had no way to get the beer to them, um, and I, I'm, I'm not I'm not even sure why why I was so stupid, but anyway, I I, I traded. Um, uh, our local distributor here, uh, a couple pallets of beer for for uh, just a piece of shit box truck that like had no floor underneath the driver's seat, like you name it. Like it was it was so bad. The steering wheel was like at you know ninety degrees from where it should have been. You know, to, to go straight. <laughs> really bad. Anyway, um, we were so excited to get this sale, and and so I I loaded up the truck, and you know. I, Nobody ever taught me how to load up, you know, pallets of beer onto a truck or whatever, you know. So I just took the forklift, shoved, you know, pallet in after pallet, and 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 um, but I left a lot of headroom between like the the first pallet and and, and the like the bulk wall, you know. So anyway, oh, no. so I just I fired up the truck and I was like driving it down to them, right? And they're like downtown Chicago, so I'm on the Kennedy and and I'm driving down there and you know like. Some guy in a Porsche, like, comes just whipping in front of me and hits the brakes. I mean, I, I'm surprised that this truck even had brakes. Uh, <laughs> but I hit the brakes and started, like, skid, almost hit this guy. And right as, right as the, the, you know, like, just before I was about to hit the guy, I just hear this wallop behind me. And all of a sudden I see just beer running between my legs like and out the hole underneath the underneath the floor right <laughs> so i was like oh my god like i it, it took me like you know three or four days to bottle all this beer I, I i like i was just uh i couldn't stop to see what was actually broken or whatever so i like had a couple miles to to the wholesaler's warehouse and pull in open up the back doors and literally all the beer is just smashed to smithereens, no. right? Like all of it, you know? So I was pretty uh, deflated, and I drive home, and, um, you know, I don't know who said to me. I, I, it might have been Michelle. I don't know, but she's like, you know, why, why didn't you just, like, you know, hire a freight company to haul it down there? <laughs> and I thought, I, my initial response was, because that would cost so much money, you know what I mean? It was just so... I didn't think about it. So I, after we got the, the rest of the beer loaded up, I called up, like, I don't know, it might have been even have been Schneider Trucking or something at the time, you know, and, and um, it was like $50 a pallet to, to haul it down there. So <laughs> <laughs> I spent, like, the better part of a week bottling the beer, like, you know, palletizing it, throwing, throwing it in the truck, driving it down there, and it literally could have cost me less than $200 to, to send all the beer to whatever. You, know. you live and you learn. Lesson learned, right? What beer was it? Oh, God, it just had to be like our, our pale ale and our amber ale. I think that's all, all, all the okay. we made back then. But yeah. So, But there was a lot of times, you know, in the early days, um, uh, places where we didn't have a beer distributor, I would, like, load up the... Uh, Right after Joe Carls came on, which was like um, I don't know, like 1997, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I went out and just sold beer, you know. And um, uh, so I, I would load up the 
the box truck with as many cases and kegs that I could get onto it. And I wouldn't come home until I sold everyone, you know. And um, but you would, I'd go up in the Northwoods. I'd be all the way down, like uh, close to the border by Dubuque and places. And you'd walk in, and it was it was just amazing back then because people like would be like, "What are you trying to sell me?" You know, like, <laughs> we don't like dark beer here. Like, Get out of here, man! And do you, you sell? It, do you yeah. serve it warm? Yeah, I mean there was. I had one time where a, a guy at a, at a uh, bar up in Woodruff had been buying beer for me all summer, and but every time I stopped to get a check, he wouldn't, he wouldn't get a, give me a check. And I pressed him on it really hard. Like I'm like, listen, man, like I can't keep you going. Like I, 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 I need a check today. You know, the guy got out of his bar stool and took a swing at me, and he's like 60. And I looked at him and I'm like, dude, are we doing this? Because like you are not gonna like the result of this. You know? like, <laughs> I've been lifting kegs. I've been, you know, for the last couple of years. Like, why don't you just give me a check and, and I'll get out of your hair and we can be done doing business together? But, like, you take another swing at me, it's not going to end well. You know, like, so there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. What, um, hiding Felicia, what, what are your favorite non hinterland beers? Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Do you want to go say, first? I don't know. I like Daisy Cutter from Half Acre a lot. Mm. Um, that's when I gravitate towards really anything from Eagle Park. I'd say Eagle Park is definitely like higher up on my list yeah. of wow. favorite breweries. I don't even know if I have a favorite beer from them. I know. Just anything I have from them, it's like always like really yeah. spot on. But I'm I'm weird. I like the like the double drop du- double dry hopped IPAs. Yeah, the bitter the better. Yeah, <laughs> um, I really like. Uh, I tried it here because I was just, I wanted to try something different. The Delirium. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it has yes. such a weird delirium taste and I tremens. love it. Yeah. That's another good one. Yeah. yeah. That's like one of my favorites. You know, yeah. so it's, once you kind of venture into the Belgian world, it's it's almost like an endless pursuit. Triple there's, Carmelite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's so there's many different great beers, right? But for mm-hmm. sure. I do, I do like a Badger State grassy place. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's about it. I don't, I, it, it does pain me to ever drink a domestic beer. It does, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. I, unless it's like I am strapped at a really divey bar somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. But or you're like at a wedding and the, yeah. that's what they've got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that happens, then I'll probably just drink like vodka soda. Vodka. Yeah. <laughs> Because they usually don't have wine or yep. good wine yep. if they're if they have bush light on on tap. That's right. That's gonna be a no from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's very fun. To, fun to be a part. This was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to have you guys on again, and you can just tell us more stories. Uh-huh. <laughs> Looking yeah. forward to hearing uh, your future episodes. Oh awesome. yeah. yeah. Of course. Well, we will see you guys soon. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank Bye. You. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.